Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. Summer is in full swing and there's so much going on at our church. Be sure to check the events section of our website or the Creekwood Church app to stay connected this summer. We hope this message inspires and encourages your faith. Enjoy. Well, I want you to grab your Bibles today and and go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 is where we're going to be at. I have one goal today, and the goal that I have today is to help you see what a big deal water baptism is. And it is a big deal. If you've been around Creekwood for very long, you know that it's a big deal to us. And part of the reason why uh, we do water baptism at Hawaiian Falls, you know, we've had people go, why do y'all do it at Hawaiian Falls? It seems a little ungodly. And it was a little ungodly at the beginning. You know, the first times we did it over there, Pastor Brad showed up in a thong and we told him, no, no, I'm kidding. It was a Speedo. Um, We said, no, you know, we did the cross sign and said, you need to get back. Uh, And, uh, but (laughs) I'm kidding. Um, You know, why would we do that? And, you know, part of the reason is that, you know, a lot of us grew up in church and we remember water baptism when we're like, they just seem so boring and churches made them. I know I have been in church my whole life. I think I was born in church and, um, I, growing up, baptism just seemed like it was like something boring. It was at the end of service and everybody had already left and there's just a few people watching your baptism and it wasn't that big of a deal. And we, from the very early days of this church, we said baptism, as you look at God's word and you begin to study it and you really begin to look at in depth what water baptism is, it is a big deal. It's so important. And it's one of the most powerful moments in your life, my life. And so we go all out. Hawaiian Falls, as you've heard us say, man, we take over the whole place. They close the the park down. Everybody has to get out. Only Creekwood is there, your family, your friends. We have a huge party. And it is something to be seen and experience when you see hundreds of people lined up and stepping into the water and they are in tears. It's just a powerful moment. And so I want to share about that today and just a, just a few moments teach you on this. And I know that anytime that you start talking about water baptism, people get very, um, have all kinds of different responses. And a lot of it has to do with the way you grew up. And, you know, uh, there's something about water baptism that just kind of touches a nerve for a lot of us and depending what type of background, you know, church you grew up in, whether you grew up Lutheran, Methodist, or Church of Christ, Baptist, you know, it all means different things to you. And I, I want to be incredibly respectful and very careful as we talk about it today. But you need to hear me when I say this, that here at Creekwood, what we have always said and what we believe is that scripture is the ultimate authority in our lives, not the church. And it's very easy to, and and a lot of people believe the church is the authority in our lives. And that gets dangerous because church tradition can change from year to year, from place to place. That baby's loving my message. I know he is. Uh, um, Where was I? No. (laughs) from place to place. And, and you look 
from historically go and study church history from different eras. Church, churches have changed all types of beliefs and made their doctrine off of church tradition, and that can become very dangerous. And so you need to hear me when I say this, that what we believe and what we teach here is we, we very much believe that scripture is the authority in our lives. And what we, what we do and, and what we practice here, it's, man, the Bible is the authority. So we want to know what the Bible says. And so uh, I would encourage you to kind of set some, like whatever experiences you've had from the past, just kind of set them aside and just let's talk about it today. You know, I think we can all agree that we live in a world and in a culture that everybody seems distracted. Like everywhere you go, I, I know in my neighborhood, like our mailboxes get hit all the time. And 20 years ago, people never, like the only mailboxes that got hit are the ones that you used to hit with the bat, remember? <laughs> that was illegal. Uh, but like people are so distracted, they're, they're running into mailboxes, they're, they're, it's like everybody's doing, like they can't even, even when they're watching a show, everybody's on their devices, like that's at our house, everybody's on their devices, like we've got a picture right here, like <laughs> these are my wife's cats, is that not wrong? I told her that's ungodly, like I don't care what she says, cats are not going to heaven. They're not, they're, I bet they're watching Hallmark or something. I don't know what they're watching, but they're not. They're like, you know, the Bible says that Satan goes around like a roaring lion. Lion and cats are all part of that same family. So you can connect the dots. Cats are not going to heaven. But everybody is so distracted. We're just all over the place. Culturally, and, and, and again, it's just part of the time we live in, but I want to say to you, I think that we're spiritually distracted also. That I believe that we're all over the place spiritually. We are in a time where, as Christ followers, we have become spiritual consumers, and so we're like, all over the place and we're one minute here, we're one minute there, we're like, I think I wanna do this and no, I don't wanna do this. And like, it's, don't take offense at this, but it's kinda easy to kinda start believing that God's kinda lucky you showed up today. That God, you did something really special and you did God a big old favor that you came to church today. And we're like, well, I go to church and we're like, well, you know what? You know, I think I'm gonna serve. And we bounce over there a second and we go, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work in a parking lot. And then you're like, man, the, you know, somebody from Creekwood gave me the middle finger in the parking lot and I'm not gonna work there anymore. And then like, I'm gonna go serving kids and like, I don't wanna change a diaper and we're all over the place. And then we're like, I don't think I wanna do anything for right now and we're just distracted. And we're kind of like in the movie Up, you know, the dog, Doug. 
I want to call a dog Doug. Don't you know that's like cool? But what does he always do in every conversation? Squirt. Yeah, squirrel. And we're that way spiritually. And I really believe that this is this is really dangerous spiritually for us because it causes us not to have direction and purpose and taking those next steps in our life. That God has ordained a plan and a purpose for your life and there ought to be some, some purpose and some direction of saying, I'm taking the next step. I'm so excited about what God is doing. I'm going here. I'm doing this. I'm taking this next step. I'm growing spiritually. I'm not all over the place. I'm growing. And one of the most powerful steps that you can focus on is water baptism. The Bible shows us over and over that something supernatural happens in the life of a believer when they take that first step. There's a story in Acts chapter 2, Acts, Acts, Acts chapter, well, let me read first Ephesians. Ephesians 1, 8, 18, it says, I ask God to make your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is God is calling you to do. I ask God to help you focus to see exactly what it is that God is calling you to do. And there's a story in Acts chapter 8 that I, I love this story because it shows us what can happen when somebody gets focused and they start paying attention. And I, aren't you glad that God wants to speak to us, that God wants to work through us, that, man, it's exciting to walk with God. That God puts us in restaurants and God puts us in jobs and God puts us in, in, at a gas station. That he, he has, there's these divine encounters that we have a God that is real. If we'll pay attention and we'll get focused on what he's trying to do. And this story in Acts chapter 26, it's an incredible story. It says, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip. Now, again, to understand the context, Philip is a long ways away. God spoke to Philip and he says, rise up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. If you underline your Bible, you ought to underline it's a desert place. God called him to a place that he didn't really look like it was a good idea. In his own mind, he was probably thinking, why in the world, God, are you telling me to go to the desert? And listen to what happens. And he rose and he went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. In other words, he was a very important person. And he is out there in the middle of nowhere in his chariot. Like, I don't, his chariot's got 20s on him. Like, it's like, it's, it's a, some of you, I don't know what that is, but that's okay. Uh, I mean, he's probably, it says that he's, he is very important. He's the head of the treasure. So like, he's, he is probably rolling in a cool, like chariot and he's out in the middle of nowhere and Philip is out there wondering what he's doing out in the heat in the desert and listen to what happens. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot and he was reading the prophet Isaiah and the spirit said to Philip, go over and join the chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? 
And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Then Philip opened his mouth and began with this scripture. He told him the good news about Jesus. I love that he didn't tell him the good news about what's going on in politics. I love that he didn't tell him the good news about some church. He told him the good news about Jesus. And too many of us, what's happened in our lives is that we have become so distracted spiritually that we have forgotten this is all about Jesus. It's all about the power of Jesus Christ doing something in our life. And he wants to tell him about Jesus. He says, I got to tell you about Jesus. And he tells him about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he, com he commanded the chariot to stop. They both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. Can you tell the guy's excited? He's so excited about, he, about meeting and hearing about Jesus Christ that he's like, there's some water right over there. I want to go get baptized. He understood the power of what baptism means. When you get baptized, you are identifying as a follower of Jesus Christ. You are saying, I am a follower of Jesus. See, every person in this, in this room, you've got a story on how you came to know Christ. Most everybody in this place, you have a story of how God rescued you. You have a story about like what God did in your life that, that he saved you. And it's so easy for us to get so distracted and so preoccupied with, again, we're, we're doing busy work spiritually that we've forgotten really. It's not like, oh my word, can I tell you about what Jesus did in my life? It's, oh, church, whatever. It's, we, we, again, we're so distracted and I want you to follow me because I think we're so distracted spiritually that we forget that Jesus Christ saved us. He rescued us. He's done a powerful work in our life. He is amazing. There ought to be something inside of us that, that moves us to say, I want to tell people about Jesus. Why am I telling you this? I believe that we got to get back to basics. Part, one of the reasons why a lot of people don't see the urgency of getting baptized is they've forgotten about what God did in their life. They got saved and they're like, well, you know what, I'm thinking about it and like, you just kind of got busy and, and whatever. Maybe you were in a church that didn't make a big deal about it and you're like, I've met people that, man, they've been in church for a long time. They've served and, and they're like, I've never been to a church that made a big deal about baptism and I want to get baptized. And I'm like, why didn't you get baptized? They're like, well, nobody made a big deal about it. But it doesn't become, why, why is this important? It's because baptism is not a dead ritual. Baptism is not some check the box thing that you and I got to do because I'm talking about it or whatever. Or you're like, I go to Creekwood and we got to check the box. We all go to Hawaiian Falls and Speedos. I don't know where I'm getting off track here with Speedos. Um, it's bigger than that. It's something that there's something you're going to see it. I promise you, and you better be there next weekend. 
I don't care if you don't have anybody getting baptized that you know, you need to go and celebrate with other Christ followers what's happened in their life. But you're gonna see, you're gonna see people and it's gonna blow you away when people are stepping in that water and they're, they are bawling. And there are people that have been Christians for a long time, but it's like God is refreshing something so powerful in their life about their conversion and how they came to know Christ. So listen, we need to pay attention to our rescue. You need to pay attention to way, the way that you were rescued. I love in Psalms, and there's so many different examples about how we, can, we have been rescued. And in Psalms 107, 4, let me just kind of read these verses to you because I think you're gonna see yourself in this. It says, some wandered in the wilderness, lost and homeless, hungry, and a lot of you here, you can remember the moment you were lost. It says, lost and homeless, hungry and thirsty, they nearly died. Lord, Lord, they cried in their trouble, and he rescued them from their distress. He led them straight to safety, to a city where they could live. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. Verse 10, some sat in darkness and deepest gloom, in prison, in iron chains, misery. They rebelled. And I bet you there are, are a lot of us here today that you think back a season, there was a time you were really rebellious. And it didn't matter what your parents told you, you were gonna, like if they told you like to do something, you did the opposite. You were rebellious. You messed up your life. Some of you carried it into your 20s and your 30s and you were so hard-headed and rebellious and like I'm doing my own thing. And, and, and it says they rebelled against the words of God, scorning the counsel of the Most High. But there came a moment in your life that you said, Lord, help me. They cried in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He led them from the darkness and the deepest gloom. He snapped their chains. He snapped your chains. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. Verse 17, some were fools. Don't raise your hand, but a lot of us have been fools. We have seasons in our life. We look back and we were fools. We made some stupid decisions. Some were fools. They rebelled and suffered for their sins. They couldn't stand the thought of food and they were knocking on death's door. And Lord, help me. They cried in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. I love this. Like this just jumped out to me this week in such a powerful way. It says he sent out a word and healed them snatching them from the door of death. And I bet you there are a lot of stories in this room right now that, that you cried out to God and God sent out a word and he, he saved you. It says he sent out his word and he healed them, snatching them from the door of death. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. See, we can never forget that. It's got to be at the forefront. Do not let the enemy distract you with all the junk around. He will even use religion to distract you away from what Jesus has done in your life. He will use religion to get us so busy playing church and like 
We don't have any kind of story to tell about, man, I was out in the middle of the desert and out of nowhere, I was like, I was out there in the middle of nowhere and a guy walked up to me and told me about Jesus. Where were you when the moment happened when you came to know Christ? You ought to know about that. You ought to bring that to the forefront. Push aside all the distractions and say, man, I I want to pay attention to the rescue of how God has rescued me. We make a lot of mistakes when we don't pay attention. I heard about a preacher that was preaching this revival and they, you know, how many of you remember when they used to do like these healing services at the end of revival? Anybody grew up? I grew up in that church and, and the pastor had um, people come forward and this guy came up and he said, pastor, would you pray for my hearing? And the pastor put his finger, his finger in the guy's ear and put his hand on his head. And he said, God, I pray for, and he started yelling really loud. So he could like, he's praying over his hearing and praying over that. And then he took his finger out of his ear and hand off his head. And he said, son, how, how's your hearing? And the guy said, I don't know, pastor, my hearing is next week. Yeah, y'all, I can't breathe. I told a joke. Uh, it's hard telling a joke because I always mess up the punchline. My brother-in-law, Ty, is a master at it. He told that, that joke at, at a family dinner, and I'm like, I got to use that. But we don't pay attention. We don't pay attention. And, and too many of us, man, we are thinking one thing. We're all over the place. And I'm just telling you. I don't care if you've been a Christian 30 years. I pray that there, there are services that you sit in that people look over at you and you are bawling because you say, I can't believe my kids are next to me. I can't believe the marriage that I have. I can't believe it. See, that brings a focus. That brings a focus. And men, I'm going to call you out because there's too many men that are not being spiritual leaders. And you've been like, I know maybe it's, it's a pride thing, but listen to me. You don't have to pray about what God commands you to do. And we are commanded to be baptized. Water baptism is a moment in that you are publicly saying to the world, to your kids, to your wife, to everybody, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And too many men will say, man, I, I just, no, I, I'm thinking about it. I don't want to do, you know, like I'll get around to it, you know, and I'm just telling you, this is your moment. But you need to remind yourself of what God has done in your life because that's what's going to be the true motivator to cause you to walk in the water and get baptized. Romans 6.33 says, 6 verse 3 says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. So you see the power of it. So again, we need to pay attention. You need to pay attention to the questions that you have about baptism. And and there are a lot of questions that automatically come to our mind. And I, I want to address some of those questions in just a few moments, but I want to just show you that baptism is a... Um, 
is something that you see throughout the Bible that it is, it is Jesus modeled baptism. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 12, verse 50, I have a baptism to be baptized with. How great is my distress until it is accomplished. This is Jesus speaking about his own baptism. In Matthew chapter three, verse 13, it says, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. This was not a, just like something that happened by accident. This was something that Jesus decided ahead of time he was gonna do this. He was gonna make time and he walked a great distance to be baptized. Listen to this in Matthew chapter six, three, verse 16, just talking about Jesus modeling baptism and how important. And how many of you know, if Jesus was baptized, we ought to be baptized. It says, after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open and he saw the spirit descending like a dove settling on him. It says, when Jesus was baptized, the heavens were opened. And a voice from heaven sent, said, this is my dearly son, dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Do you know that when you step in the water and you are publicly saying, I am following Jesus Christ. He is my savior, my Lord. The Bible tells us the heaven, it's what pleases God. It brings great joy. It's like God's looking down and saying, that's my son. That's my daughter. Jesus, again, he instructs us to be baptized. In Matthew 28, 19, these are some of the last words that Jesus spoke. And he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He says, go make disciples and teach them how to worship. No, no. The very first thing he says is that you need to go make disciples and you need to baptize them. So baptism, we see that scripture commands every believer to be baptized. See, baptism is a moment of surrender. It's a powerful moment where you and I surrender our lives to Christ. And Matthew 10, 32 says, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my father in heaven. 1 John 2, 3 says, we know that we have come to him if we keep his commands, come to know him if we keep his commands. And I, I'm gonna just read off a lot of these scriptures because I really, and maybe you, you can write these down and go look them up later, but I really want you to see that this is all over the Bible about us publicly acknowledging that we are followers of Christ. Luke 6, 46 says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Let me give you some examples of, of baptism. Acts 2, 37, it says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Acts 8, 12 says, but when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus, they were baptized, both men and women. Acts 22, verse 16 says, and now what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized and wash your sins away, calling on his name. 
Acts 16, verse 14, it says, one of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. Let me give you one more. It says in Acts chapter 30, verse 33, and then and then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and his household were baptized. Now the context of that scripture is when the apostle Paul was in prison and God delivered him. God miraculously broke the chains like the the Jail came coming down. The jailer is in shock and he wants to get saved. And it says in the middle of the night, he got baptized. So you see this throughout the Bible that there is over and over and over scriptures that tell us that we should be baptized. There are two implications of baptism. One, baptism identifies us with Jesus. It identifies us as followers of Jesus Christ. Number two, baptism identifies us with the body of Christ. Baptism identifies us with Jesus. Romans 6, 1 says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that what we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism we joined him in his death, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. Galatians 3.26 says this, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus, and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. Baptism also identifies us with the body of Christ. When you get baptized, part of why everybody's gonna be out there, there's gonna be a lot, a lot of people standing all around the big old giant wave pool. It's gonna be just specifically where we're baptizing people. And there are gonna be people all around you. And what we're doing is, is, is we are celebrating, you are becoming a part of the family of God. And it, 2 Corinthians 12 says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some of us are slaves, and some of us are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we are all share the same spirit. So again, you see that there, it, it helps us we, by we identify with with Christ, and we also are identifying with the body of Christ. Now, let me address some questions that, that oftentimes come up with people that when it comes to baptism. And one big one is, you know, um, I've already been baptized. People say, you know, I've already been baptized. And I'm like, okay. And my, my next question is, have you been baptized since you gave your heart to Christ, since you got saved? Um, every single instance in the Bible, baptism always follows salvation. 
So what, 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 what's happened to a lot of us, and uh, we've had pastors and leaders of our own church that have recognized that, hey, I need to be baptized biblically. They, were bat- they grew up in church. That, you know what? Their, maybe their friends were getting baptized. They didn't really understand what they were doing. They got baptized at, at 10 years old or whatever, or eight years old. And um, later on in life, uh, at 18, 19 years old, or at 30 years old, you gave your life to Christ and you were like, do I need to get baptized? I would say you need to get baptized. Get baptized biblically because baptism always follows salvation. What if I, and this is a big group of, of, of Creekwood because again, we, what's beautiful about our church is we have people from all different backgrounds, Catholic, Methodist, Lutheran. And one of the big questions that comes up is, uh, you know, I was baptized as a baby and this kind of complicates it. And like, um, uh, what, what do I do? And I would tell you, first of all, what your parents did was incredibly special. Your parents took you to the church as a baby and they were literally dedicating you to the Lord. But I wanna say this, and I love you enough to tell you this. There is not one instance in the Bible of a baby being baptized. It's not there. There's not any, any instance of a baby being baptized. Now, that doesn't mean you need to go get mad at the priest that you grew up and you're, you know, call him and chew him out or whatever. Don't, I, I would celebrate what happened as a moment where your parents dedicated you to the Lord and now you as an adult being baptized after you got saved is a fulfillment of what your per- parents prayed for to, that might happen in your life. That you're honoring what your parents, what happened as they dedicated, we, we see that as a dedication, but we are gonna go according to what the word of God says, and the word of God says we are baptized after we give our heart to Christ. That means, listen, we've had people that are 90 years old, 80 years old, that have been in church a long time, and they're like, you know what? I got baptized as a baby or as a kid and, and like didn't, you know, or I was 14 and, but you know, really when I gave my life to Christ was when I was 30 or 21. And I would tell you that you need to be baptized biblically. So as you look at your heart and you search in your own mind, spiritually, and you're taking this journey, I wanna just encourage you to see that every single believer, they didn't like, they didn't go, you know what, I think, and this is a thing I hear a lot of times, is like, you know what, I just gotta work out some things and then I'm gonna get baptized. I, I need to work it out, I need to work it out. And, and you don't see that anywhere in the Bible. Do you know that part of you working it out is your baptism? That is, is, is such a, a powerful symbol spiritually of what's happening inwardly in your life. And so I would just encourage you to, man, you need to take that step. It pleases God when we are obedient to God. The Bible tells us, this is, 
I love this scripture. It says in 2 Chronicles 16, 9, it says, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those hearts that are fully committed to him. In the moment, and what you make in, in this decision to follow Christ, and I'm, I'm gonna tell you, you'll be excited. They're, they're teaching on this in kids' church right now because we want your kids to understand it. They're talking about it at youth camp. You have a card right in front of you. This is not something you need to pray about. God's commanded us to be baptized. If you know you have not been baptized biblically, you need to put your name on it and you need to sign up and man, get on the phone, start texting everybody you know to say, hey, you need to come to my baptism. It's gonna be powerful because I, I want the world to know what Jesus Christ has done in my life. I wanna pray with you and I'd like to just ask you to bow your heads for just a few moments. Father, thank you for your voice in our life. Thank you, God, that you love us so much. God, I thank you for the symbolism of baptism that we have an opportunity to show the world and show you, God, that we are followers of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that every single one of us, God, God would step up and say, God, I want to pay attention. I want to be focused spiritually because I believe that this is going to bring the next breakthrough, the next release, the next moment, the next season of my life as I'm obedient to you, God, through water baptism. Father, I pray over every person here today, God, in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you like the content of this podcast, you're going to love our YouTube channel. Subscribe at youtube.com slash creekwoodchurch for video messages and full services uploaded weekly.